The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. How are you, sir? This is Pierre. Oh. I can't believe I'm talking to you, Dr. Ray the Great. Oh, I don't know about that. I love listening to you. You have a personality just like my father. I don't think you should feel helpless. You are helpless. Doctor, I really appreciate that. That makes me feel a lot better. You be at peace, or else I'm going to yell at you. Trying to find a reason to speak to you. I think you're the best thing since sliced bread. That Ray, he's something. Thank you so much for what you're doing for all the parents out there. They don't know what I can possibly do. I don't either. I'm getting my money worth, I think, at this phone call. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. As I've said, she said she's getting her money's worth with this phone call. As far as I know, she didn't pay anything for this phone call. So she got zero money's worth. On the surface, it sounded like a compliment. But in fact, it was a backhanded insult. Nice to have you with me on The Doctor Is In. This is Look Back Friday. The idea we came up with several years ago, my producer man Andrew Kruchek points out to me that it has been something like six or seven years we've been doing this, where we take previous calls, he edits them, most of the time he edits me out, that's okay, he's the boss over there, I always want to say like a three-year-old, you're not the boss of me, that's going to be a personality theory, and speaking of personality theories, I'm going to do a personality test here in just a second, but given that, we run these calls, usually they anywhere between four and six minutes, And then I comment on something in the call, add a little bit of embellishment to the call, maybe clear up something unclear in the call, or criticize myself in the call because you know as well as I do when you listen to yourself, you're generally not pleased. You don't say, whoa, I really sounded pretty good. Oh, I like the sound of my own voice. No, you don't. I remember the first couple seasons of Living Right with Dr. Ray, the TV show. I looked at it and said, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to last another year. That I, I stink. That's terrible. And my wife was very supportive. She says, yes, Ray, you are. No, she didn't say that. She, she just said nobody likes looking at themselves, and she's right. A couple of things here before I get into a personality test that I developed for, for marriage partners. you got to watch using up your good words. We use words like amazing, awesome, perfect. We take our maximum words and we use them up. We use them up on everyday stuff. We use them up on a sandwich that has tomatoes on it. We use them up on a sporting event. Oh, it was an amazing game. It was, oh, it was, oh, unbelievable ending. So we use those words. What do we have left to describe God? We've used them up on a sandwich. We're basically saying that God and a sandwich are describable by the same word. Or the birth of your first child. Now, you've already used awesome up. You used awesome up in the final two minutes of that last football game. So now your kid was born. What are you going to say? Well, pretty good. Pretty good. Well, that was nice. Well, I liked it. It's pleasant. Pleasant enough, little kid. Be careful. 
I can't tell you how many. It's now thousands. It is now thousands of times that I have heard the word perfect. Give my address to someone. Perfect. I give them my name and I spell it for them. Perfect. And I want to say, yeah, I know how to spell my name, so I would spell it perfect. Besides, even if I missed a letter, how would you know? So you're telling me my name is perfect even when I spell it wrong, which is what I want to do sometimes. So then I want to say, no, it's not perfect. I didn't spell it right. Or if they say, well, how many would you like to order? I say four. Perfect. I'm thinking, well, if I ordered three, would that still be perfect? How about if I order nine? Is that perfect? Hundreds, thousands of times perfect. Somebody asked our Lord about perfect or good. They just use the word good. Good teacher. He said, why do you call me good? No one is good but the Father alone. Wow. He didn't even use amazing or perfect or awesome. He just used good. Wow. That's going to wipe out one of my words that I use all the time. That guy's really good. He's good at that. Did you see that catch? All right. Enough of that. Here's my uh, here's my personality marital test that I developed. This is something that uh, when I was in grad school, we had to develop tests to measure things. So I decided I would develop my marital relationship test. Perfect. I think it's an awesome test. It's amazing. Now, it's got a very simple scoring system. If you're a guy... And this is a test for guys. If you do something that makes your wife happy, you get a, you get points. If you do something that she dislikes, you lose points. You don't get any points for doing what is expected. And here's how it works. Simple household duties. You make the bed. Plus one. You make the bed, but you don't put the decorative pillow on it. Zero. You throw the bedspread over rumpled sheets, minus one. You go out and buy her something she'd like, plus five in the rain, plus eight. But you return with beer, minus five. You see how, you see how this works? Okay. For her birthday, you take her out to dinner, plus two. You know, you take her out to, you remembered her birthday, plus two. But that's, by the way, that's the one way to put trepidation and fear into a guy. All you have to do, ladies, if you want to make your spouse terrified, you simply say this. Do you know what day today is? That's all you got to say. So you take her out to dinner, plus two. You take her out to dinner, and it is not a sports bar, plus three. Okay, it's a sports bar, and it's a buffet, minus three. It's a sports bar, it's a buffet, and your face is painted the colors of your favorite team, minus ten. Going to go out, date, take her to a movie. That's plus one. That's something nice, right? You take her to a movie that she likes, plus three. She knows you don't like the movie, but you took her anyway, plus six. You take her to a movie that you like, that's a minus two. It's called Death Cop, minus three. You lied, and you told her it was a foreign film about puppies. 
minus 15. All right. Your physique. Okay, here you go. You develop a bit of a pot belly. That's minus 15. You're not taking care of yourself. You develop a bit of a pot belly and you exercise to get rid of it. That's plus 10. Effort. You develop a pot belly and you use baggy jeans and baggy Hawaiian insurance to hide it. Minus 30. And then, in defending yourself, you say, it doesn't matter, you have one too. Minus 8,000. Getting the point here? She asks you, do I look fat in these pants? Minus five. Yeah, you're going to lose points no matter what you say. And if you hesitate for a nanosecond, it's over. No matter what you say, if you hesitate for one point oh 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 ninth of a second, you're going to lose points. You reply where? Minus 35. And anything else you say after that is losing points. Last one. Good communication. Your wife wants to talk about a problem. You stop what you're doing. You listen. You display what looks like a concerned expression. That's a zero. You're expected to do that. You listen tentatively, attentively for over 30 minutes plus 50. You listen for more than 30 minutes without looking at the TV or the remote plus 500. And your wife realizes this because you have fallen asleep. Minus 4,000. See how the system works? I got a D on the test. My professor was a female. And she was married. When we come back, we're going to dive into some of these calls. Got, uh, oh boy, we got a, we got a real self-torture thing going on there over something somebody did 25 years ago and can't get over it got another one where he's taking care of an elderly relative and you know he's feeling the frustration and he's feeling the guilt about the frustration and then we got kind of a scary situation got a violent adult child i'm dr ray The wisdom of Mother Angelica. Have you ever been so grief-stricken and so heart-sick that you can't see God? You can't see God in the tragedy. You can't see God in that cross. You can't see God in that sick. Why? You're enveloped in that grief. You're enveloped in fear. And God is out the window. You don't see him standing right next to you. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you are seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Go to lordteachmetopray.com, click on the red box, order the Lord, Teach Me to Pray series now. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. 
Ciao, amici. Teresa Tamio here. If you're looking for something inspiring to give to someone this Christmas season, or maybe just a little stocking stuffer for yourself, make sure to check out the Ave Maria Radio Online Store. Plenty of books are sale to teach, inspire, and renew your connection with God. Speaking of sales, my book, Everything's Coming Up Rosie, is 25% off this month while supplies last. So go ahead over to AveMariaRadio.net and click on the bookstore. Happy shopping. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. My wife's pretty quick. I was uh, scrolling through my phone yesterday. I saw this article about a guy who was a football player. And this guy was known for his escapades off the field, doing a lot of dumb things, fighting, drinking, carrying on. And he was married to some beautiful actress. And I looked at my wife and I said, I'll never understand why some of the biggest jerks Get the most attractive woman. And my wife just looked at me and said, Why, thank you, dear. So I, don't, I, I think I, that was an underhand. I, I set her up. I pitched that one underhand. Chris from Oklahoma is still tormenting himself over something that happened 25 years ago. It was a lie. Isn't it interesting what we do to ourselves? We, in essence, think we're holier than God. Because we have his assurance that he's forgiven us, but we won't do the same. Now, what does that say about our trust in him? First of all, I think I should say that I was a Protestant, and I came into the Church in uh, 2007, uh, but then I left it, and now I'm back. (laughs) Why'd you leave? I'm trying to make my way back. Why'd you leave? Um, I kind of wanted to do life my way instead of following the uh, teaching of the church. How'd that work? Uh, Not very well. Hmm. Life sort of fell apart after I left the church. I've been wandering around ever since. But anyway, what I wanted to ask you about was something happened between me and uh, somebody else when I was... 13 years old, and um, I was confronted about it by who his con- friends. Who, his, his friends recently confronted you and said he said no, that you guys... after it happened. Oh, okay, like gotcha. I'm 39 now. Got it. Um, they confronted me, and I, I lied about it. I lied to them all. And uh, You said I didn't do it. Anyway, yeah. And... Um, Something reminded me of that incident um, when I was probably like 35 years old. I can't remember the exact date, but I thought, you know, I can't uh, live with this thought in my mind anymore. Um, something what what thought? That, that you lied? 
yeah, that I lied and that I. Uh, How many years ago? Know, that was in 1997, I think. All right. So 27 years ago. Yeah. Okay. So I found the person on Facebook because I that didn't you, know that you lied to that. the person that you lied to yes. when you were th when you were 13. Yes. Right. And so um, we met. And he agreed to meet. He asked me if I wanted to go eat somewhere and talk. And uh, I basically just said, you know, um, something like, I'm sorry for what I did. And, you know, I'm sorry I lied about it or whatever. And uh, um, I, I couldn't, I told him I couldn't deal with this feeling of not knowing whether or not he would forgive me. And uh, he told me it's water under the bridge and um, paid for my meal. And so um, I've talked about this several times with several uh, Protestant pastors and uh, Protestant people within the church, uh, Protestant church, and I've um, only brought it up a couple of times with uh, Catholic priests. But it seems like whatever I've said what I thought was being said in private got out, and I feel like people are talking about me all the time, and I don't know what to do about that. And you, you were talking about the word so. I'm like, well, I don't think I can say that. Well, there's two levels here, Chris. The first is, this was 27 years ago. You were 13 very different person I can assume than you are now so you, you you lied to get yourself out of trouble all right you did probably what many would think is over and above the call of duty running down this person and uh, they're quote-unquote willing after 20 plus years to talk to you and I'm kind of relieved that they said hey that was long ago let it go so it sounded like they said yeah. But but you won't, and this, that's the second level of all this. The fact that there is a bit of uh, suspicion here, a, a borderline, don't want to use the word. Let me just simply say that the fact that this has tormented you for that long, something way in the past, something you probably confessed when you came into the church. So why is this still eating at you is the question. Rather than you being able to say, yeah, I was 13, did something pretty bad, okay. Somebody asked me about it, okay. Now, when you're saying this is getting out, who in the heck would care about something you did as a 13-year-old kid? How is it getting out, and who is it getting out to? Well, um, I'm not sure, except maybe I... I sort of hinted around at what I did on on social media. Uh, I kind of put it out there. Um, you were seeking forgiveness. Yeah. Well, that was dumb. Yeah. Okay, so you blew it. All right. Now, do you notice the word I just said? So you blew it. Yeah. You're going to have to let it go. We can change the way we think. We do it all the time. You could change the way you think. You could say that was uh, something happened a long time ago. I'm forgiven. It's gone. 
done. I, for it to yeah. affect me at this level, all this many years later, is something I'm allowing. I'm doing this. The event isn't doing this. I'm doing this to me. I noticed something in that call. I don't think I missed it. I just probably at the time decided not to chase it. Do you recall that Chris said, these people are all talking about me? Now that is a whiff of paranoid ideation. I would want to explore that more. I don't know who's talking about you. Do you know these people? How do you know they're talking about you? What do you think they're saying? As you explore the extent of the, well, I don't know if I'd call it paranoid just yet. You don't know. Hypervigilance, maybe. You get a sense of, is, is this particular reaction of not being able to get past something that he said when he was 13 part of a bigger picture? Is there something else going on? Is there a history of some kind of uh, paranoid ideation? What is this? You know, initially, it sounds like somebody's scrupulous. They're just... They're just tormenting themselves over something that happened a quarter of a century ago, and they just won't let it go. Or, and this is this is the benefit of having an office, and this is why I do not do it, make diagnoses on this program. Because, <clears throat> for me, there would be indications that I'd want to explore. What's going on here? I'd say, Chris... Is there anything else? Is there anything else you've done that you think people are talking about? And furthermore, Chris, how would they know that you did this? Now, he said, I put it out on Facebook. I would say, Chris, are you only thinking that people on Facebook are talking about you? Which, which in and of itself is even a stretch. Okay. Or are there others? And if he says, well, there's others. Who are those others? Well, there are people that they've talked to. How do you know they've talked to them? Did they tell you? Well, no, I just think they did. So that's how you kind of explore the the web of thinking that can indicate there's an irrational bordering on breaking with reality kind of delusion at play now I can't know that I don't know that I didn't talk to Chris more than five minutes but those are things I would explore as a clinician I'd want to know more about it and I'd want to know if there's any history at all that Chris has had any contact now you might say well Dr. Ray why did you bring that up on the call well because he he called in about being tormented about this I focused on that it was a very brief call I just answered what he was questioning but to to explore a whole bunch of other things would have taken us far beyond what I'm able to do on this radio show. So given that, those are kinds of the things that you look for as a clinician. You hear certain lines and certain phrases. It's like a thread. You pull on that thread. In some respects, it's like a detective. 
the detective gets a lead. And he follows that lead. She follows that lead. Where it goes. Therapist does that. Therapist hears what appears to be a throwaway line. In Chris's case, that was a throwaway line. Well, other people are talking about it too. Now, you... You could just interpret that as a layperson as, okay, well, then he must have told other people and other people are aware that he did this when he was 13. But there's something quite irrational about something that happened when you're 13 and it just resurged and it won't let you go. Without a recognition, did you notice what Chris didn't say? Now, maybe he thinks this, but he didn't have time to say it. He didn't say, I realize that's ridiculous. I'm being ridiculous. I'm being foolish. And that's not what he said. He took it as to be expected that this bothered him. Can our society return to sanity? No, not without widespread spiritual revival. I don't see how it can happen. As Richard Weaver said in the classic, Ideas Have Consequences, nothing can be done until we have decided whether we are primarily interested in truth. And that's a capital T. Not my truth, not your truth, but the truth we share of an objective moral universe. And that's where we have to stand firm and insist with all grace and with all love that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he did teach that the truth is good and will set us free. But there's no freedom until we re-embrace some shared understanding of the truth. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Father Benedict Rochelle. I'm going to tell you about the most abused woman I ever met in my life. You know her name as Roe, as in Roe versus Wade. I talked to Roe. This woman is a great penitent. This woman is a humble person who was deeply hurt. She was kneeling in the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception, the National Shrine in Washington when I met her. And I thought, what reverence. I didn't know who this woman was, but she was praying with reverence, with great fervor. And I asked a priest friend of mine, who is that? And he says, oh, that's Roe. God is not mocked. This woman was abused by those who propagate the killing of children. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. nice to have you with me. It's Dr. Ray Grady, program Dr. Zinn. Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time on some 400 plus EWTN affiliate stations. Sirius Satellite, Channel 130. The TV show on EWTN Global Television Network. Living Right with Dr. Ray, now airing its 12th season and taping its 13th. 
So that was a privilege I never ever thought would happen. Back when I was in the secular media world and did a lot of the secular TV talk shows and thought, gee, wouldn't it be nice to have a talk show? But it never happened. Never happened. And then, after all that experience on TV talk shows in the secular world, I got a chance to talk about the things that matter the most, infinity and God and morals and virtues, and interweave those into living better, living right with Dr. Ray. So, what a privilege it is. Ave Maria Radio Communications picked up this program some 20 years ago. And uh, since then, I've had close to nine or ten programs uh, worthy of being rebroadcast, about nine or ten of them. We have to piece together a whole bunch of programs to get one good nine. But, hey, two from, let's see, we have a female calling. Uh, yeah, no, no. No, let's go to Ed. Let's go to Ed from Michigan, who is doing what, what many folks do in that, that midlife stage. They're taking care of an elderly individual. Most often it's a parent, but sometimes it's a sibling. I have, yes. I have had a, a tough relationship with my sister. She's 74 years of age. I'm 71 and a half. Really, she had no need for me in her life. She's always stood in my way. She's separated our parents the same way. And now she's at a point in life to where... Now she's all alone. And well, her husband is in the same physical condition. And I tried to counsel them to, to hire an attorney to put things in place for themselves, and they refuse to and do And they say, oh, Ed, thank you. Those are good suggestions. We most certainly will follow through on them. And never do. Right. So when are you going to stop? And now I, I'd love to visit my sister. She does. She's a half an hour away from me. I'd love to go visit with her, but the conditions that she's living in, because nobody's paying any care to her except for the people, staff at this facility, which are wonderful, but she doesn't need to live this way. They have the money available to themselves, but it's just somebody and themselves willing to spend a little bit of this instead of just passing along. And it's hard for me to, to visual visually see this happening so what do i do do i keep visiting her and put up you know part of me says i should i'm you know irregardless of what she's done the christian the catholic way to do this is forgiveness is central and and just do what i can and and walk away and say a prayer and go back with my life but i'd like to hear what you have to say well, the first thing I say is quit giving her advice. She don't want to hear it. And she's not about to change how she lives. Is that safe to say there, Ed? That's safe to say. All right. So just shut your mouth. Now you can visit her, and you can listen to her complain. And you realize that when she complains, she really doesn't want solutions. She just wants to complain. Okay, so you just sit and you listen a little bit. And you ask her, you know, how's the food? How's this? How's that? How's things gone here? How's things gone there? And she'll complain some more. Of course, she'll find the she'll find the dark side of it all. But all you're doing is you're just gone to visit her. 
I had a relative that was alone, and she was very, very, very curmudgeon-y. Oh, my, 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 my. Many people stopped visiting her. I'd go visit her. And I'd recognize that when I went there, yeah, she was going to complain or she was going to get hostile or nasty, not toward me, but towards others. And I just kind of sat there and listened and kind of sort of let a lot of stuff go in one ear and out the other because I was just, I was just being a, a, a presence in her life to visit her. And that's what I think you should do with your sister. Kind of go there and visit her. And don't worry about changing her circumstances because that's not going to happen. Okay. I, I I guess that's what I expected you to say. And and I will do my best to keep my mouth shut and just That's listen. it. That's it, my friend. Come on. You know, if you counted how many times... When you visited her, that you've given her some suggestion or some option or some piece of advice, I know it's in the hundreds. Got to be. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. How many of them has she followed? None. Okie doke. Are you a slow learner, Ed, or what? Yes, I am. <laughs> you know what it is. This, you, is not her, this shouldn't be her choice. Well, it is her choice. Yes, it is. It is her choice. Yeah, see, we get all frustrated because we can't make people behave the way we know is good for them. You don't have to live this way. Why are you doing this? But people make decisions that hurt them. I suspect that a lot of folks pull back from relationships. Close relationships. We're talking family members. People that that you might say it would it would behoove me as a Christian to have some kind of relationship with them. You know, this isn't the lady seven houses down the street that I can drive by her house and if she's out mowing the lawn I can beat the horn. This is my sister. Or this is my father in law. This is this is somebody that is in the center of my world at some level. And we want to retreat from them because they're living poorly. Maybe not even immorally, just poorly, making dumb decisions. Not taking advantage of things they could take advantage of. I'll give you a small example. You may know people, as do I, who are reasonably financially well off. They're getting older. And they're not using what they've saved up over a longer life to live a little more comfortably. Instead, they're denying themselves a lot of things that would make their lives easier. But on top of that, they're complaining <laughs> about how difficult their life is. Now, you know they got the money to make it better, and they don't. So you get tired of hearing it. And eventually you either see them less or you see them none. If you come to accept that they have every right to make dumb choices and they have every right to not listen to your smarter choices for them, then you won't be so quick to pull away from them. Like I wasn't quick to pull away from that relative. She didn't want to hear anything I had to say. She was convinced that her way of doing it, even though it was causing all kinds of friction with all kinds of people, was a better way to do it. So I just sort of listened. 
asked a few questions here and there, but was really short on advice. With Teresa Tomio. People think it's easier to stay in the muck. The devil that we know is easier than the devil we don't know, but what they don't realize is that the situation can get worse. And what we're seeing now with some of these very liberal orders, let's say, for example, these liberal orders that are dying out, especially religious sisters, dying out, literally folding. And then you have the religious orders such as the Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, the Dominican Sisters in Nashville, the Sisters of Life in New York flooded with requests for information and to meet with the sisters about this beautiful life because they're so joyful because they are living the truth of scripture and the truth of the Eucharist of Jesus. But these people will not let go because then you have to look yourself in the mirror and then you have to surrender. I think it all goes back to the Garden of Eden. Who's God? Are we God or is God God? Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, on EWTN Radio. What comes to your mind when you hear the word passion? Passion often signifies intensity of emotions and feelings, frequently in terms of lust. But the Catholic Catechism tells us passions are neither good nor bad in and of themselves. In other words, passions are morally good if they contribute to a good action, and evil if they bring about the opposite result. The most fundamental passion is love, says the Catechism. It is aroused by attraction to the good, the desire to attain the good, and fulfilled by joy and pleasure once the good is possessed. Evil, on the other hand, arouses hatred, aversion, and fear. Passions are the passageway connecting the senses and the mind. Jesus said the source of all passions was the human heart. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Real nice to have you with me. I'm Dr. Ray Grandy, Program Doctors In. This is Look Back Friday, where we take previous calls, and they are, I would want to say, them embellished, but that, that's not always the case. Sometimes they're not embellished, but I do extrapolate. I do, maybe the more accurate phrase would be, I talk on further about them. That has no positive or negative connotation. It just means I say more, and there can be various observations on what to say more for example our our previous call with chris he was tormented over a 25 year old lie he said at age 13 and he said some things that would indicate potentially some paranoid ideation and i more or less talked about how do you explore something like this in someone i didn't do that with chris but i suspect that's why i laid it aside for a look back call because I wanted to talk about exploring something that is irrational uh, paranoia uh, and not just a, a hypersensitivity or an overvigilance. You know, it's a, it, it can be a fuzzy line. 
Now, I just I just got done talking to Ed. I want to comment a little bit more on Ed. I had, had a sister who basically had you know, no relationship with her. Now she's in a situation where, in fact, she could be living a whole lot better. But he visits her anyway, which is a, which is a very kind thing to do. I mean, Ed operates out of a Christian set of principles. Maybe his sister doesn't. So for Ed to say, well, she wouldn't do that for me, is irrelevant. I was sick and you visited me. I was a stranger. You took me in. So Ed is doing a good thing. He's gone to visit his sister. What frustrates him is, of course, she doesn't listen to any advice on how she could make her living circumstances any better. She either doesn't want to, or she is fearful, or she thinks they're fine. So either way, for him to quit frustrating himself, because as I mentioned before the break, if you frustrate yourself over somebody not listening when you're trying to give them good guidance for their benefit, nobody likes to deal with frustration. So what's the natural response? Well, you stop seeing them. Makes total sense. But if you don't frustrate yourself over it, if you just go see them because it's a good thing to do, you won't be so tempted to retreat. I was looking back on that look back. So that was a look back squared. Alrighty. That's about all I remember from my four years of mathematics and my one year of calculus in college. Uh, let's see what we're looking at. Do I have enough time? Yeah, this will probably take me. Let's go to an anonymous female caller from Massachusetts. I've got a situation with an adult son. I don't remember how adult he is. But the significant thing is he's violent. So you got a friend that's aggressive. My son. Does your son live with you? No, he's in a group home. And the, um, uh, my husband usually comes with me, but he had other obligations. It's a death in the family. Mm. So um, I went by myself, and uh, uh, we went with the one-on-one to the, you know, downtown area and returned. And we usually sit in the car and listen to music. And I gave him um, some food, and he vomited. Maybe it was, you know, it wasn't. I put it in the cooler bag, a lobster. He wanted the lobster roll. And he vomited, and instantly I said, you're going in the group home. Major mistake. And uh, I was by myself with him, and the one and one should have been in the car. But I, I usually feel comfortable by him, you know, with him. He's never aggressed with me in the car. So he bit my arm, and thank God I had extra. Ouch! Coat. I had a, oh, <laughs> thank God I had extra coat. And, uh. You know, sweatshirt and everything, you know, I just, Ouch. thank God, because it was cool here. And uh, went to the doctors like four days later because I said, no problem. And all of a sudden, it's black and blue. And so she checked it. Thank God. She says, no, you you just put a Band-Aid on it. He's never done that to you before? Well, he's done it when he lived with us. Um, you know, before he went in the group home, he was violent. And finally, we had to wait like a week or two weeks. He was, you know, unbelievable. We had to wait to, before you can move into a group home, but he's been in this particular group home for 10 years. And, and uh, they have never said he's done this to any of them? Oh, he has done to his roommates. Not to staff? Um, yeah, not, not that I'm aware of. So that tells you that he sort of knows who he can attack and who he can't? Right. Okay. Right. You're absolutely correct. Are you afraid to pick him up anymore because he's unpredictable? No, he's my son. We love our son. In fact, we've offered to, um, you know, um, 
I do his laundry. We go in his bedroom, my husband, because um, he's been there 10 years, and it's quite challenging. And, you know, I thank, thank God for the help, you know. So um, we, you know, um, we do, you know, some of the chores there, you know, whatever, in his bedroom. And he's just rep- repetitious where he wants to go, of course. And what would that's you do fine. If, what would you do if he does this to you again? <laughs> I don't know. I am overwhelmed. My husband says we have to, and he made a threat, you know, we, we have, have to, to help. We, we have to. Well, well, wait. Now, wait, you are helping. You've placed him yeah. in a group home, and you visit yeah. him, and you do a lot of things for him. So you are helping. Mm. So when yeah. your husband says we have to help, does he say that means you have to get bitten? No, he just feels, you know, this is our son, and he doesn't feel, I don't know, maybe he doesn't think it's going to happen because it's really unusual. He's been, we've been doing this for only a month or so, so it's recent that we started to help. Help what? You know, Help what? With the what house, you know, going to his room and cleaning his, you know, right. room. Oh, is it? You know, is, the little bit household chores. Right. Just very, you know, and he's never done this before in the room, so. Well, if you think that there's <laughs> something about you <laughs> intruding as he sees it into his room or fixing it up, <laughs> and he doesn't see it as help, <laughs> then you're probably antagonizing him. Really? That's the first thing. So maybe you ought to back wow. off on that just to see what happens. But here's the other thing. You might want to be prepared. You said he's had a history of being aggressive with you. Yeah, yeah. You, you might want to be prepared for if this happens again, you might want to tell him before it does what you will yeah. do, mm-hmm. which is, and I don't think this will work because I just you said a sentence there that tells me your husband totally disagrees. Mm-hmm. You might tell him, I'll call the police. Well, I told him that, and he says he wants to go to jail. And oh. My husband said that's all attention, but I told him you wouldn't, you know, um, get your presents, Christmas and birthday, and you know, home. Well, they're not going to put him in jail. They're just going to talk to him <laughs> sternly. You know, <laughs> well, that's all. You know, he does definitely believe he wants attention in that way, but he doesn't realize, I think, the seriousness. And I think um, you have to yeah. be prepared. You can't just simply hope mm-hmm. he's not going to mm-hmm. hurt you. Right. If he's if he's unpredictable. Yeah. Even though it happens few and far between, yes, you got to be prepared for it. You got to let him know. Don't ever bite me again. Don't ever right. punch me again. Because if you yeah. do, the police are going to pay you a visit at your group home. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. I want to go to jail. Well, yeah. that's that's tough talk, and just ignore that. <laughs> yeah, that's what my husband said. Yeah. One of the things you see, <clears throat> it's sadly common. When somebody talks about a child or a young adult getting physically violent with them, more often than not, they are the only one that the person gets violent with. Not unusual, for example, a mother to say to me that her 14-year-old son will push her. Would he ever do that to your husband? No, never. Or my daughter cusses at me. Would Would she ever cuss at anybody else? No, never. Not unusual. Now, you can speculate on why that is. Well, you know, they feel secure with me, or we've got a long history, or we've had friction, or I'm the one who most likely steps in to try to curtail some of their poor decisions or their impulses or their desires. You can explain all of that. Unfortunately, you do have to plan. You have to say, in this mom's situation, She hopes for the best. And that would be that it doesn't happen anymore. 
doesn't necessarily mean she's going to have a great, wonderful time with him. She may have to take him back prematurely a few times. But she hopes for the best. But she plans for the worst. In other words, she doesn't wait for it to happen and then say, now what do I do? It's already happened. So you can assume it it may happen again. Most things are not one and done. So she not only talks it over with her husband, says, okay, what do we do when he does this? And what will I tell him we will do when he does this? And then will I follow through with what I said I would do? That's the big one. That is the place where oftentimes people hope, if I tell you what I'm going to do, if you do that again, you're going to have to live on your own. You can't live in this house with that kind of behavior. Okay. Now, the hope is, well, I'm, I'm telling you now, I'm, I'm laying down the rule. I really don't want to have to follow through with this rule, so don't make me. But that's where for most of the time when somebody has to make a big decision on how to deal with extremely difficult behavior from an older child or a young adult, that's where the connection breaks. It's the parent who has said, 50 times, you know, you act that way, you can't live here. You act that way, you can't live here. You don't talk that way, you're not going to live here. You don't start looking for a job, you're not going to live here. You can't be disrespectful like that and live here. You need to come home on time or you can't live here. They've said that repeatedly. And each time they say it, it leads to less credibility. So in this case, there was, there was something that, that trickled through in what mom said. Did you pick it up? It was guilt. In other words, he's in a group home. He's been in a group home for 10 years. Now, I don't know the history on how he got there, but my guess would be that's probably what they decided is the best place for him and them. But there's a, I just smelled a sense of abandonment on mom's part that we did this to him. Maybe he would prefer to stay at home, but he's accepted living in this group home. So therefore, we're going to do everything we can. We're going to do his laundry. We're going to visit all the time. We're going to, we're going to do those things to say we're still your parents. We're still part of your life. You're still our son. That's great. That's wonderful. But yet at the same time, that guilt may make her more vulnerable to absorb mistreatment. And that's not helping him or them. And she said this significant thing. He's never done it to any staff. It could be that he feels safer in doing it to somebody that he believes is not in authority. His roommate, his mother, etc. This is Dr. Ray. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Christ is the answer with Father John Ricardo. 
John 14. This is Jesus in the upper room with the disciples before he's going out to his sacrifice of himself for our salvation. And Philip says to the Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus looks at Philip and says, Philip, have I been with you all this time? Don't you understand? When you see me, you're looking at the Father. In fact, only two people throughout human history have given rise to the question, not who is he, but what is he? The two people are Buddha and Jesus. Buddha's answer was, don't come to me, don't look to me, look to my doctrine, look to what I teach. Jesus' answer was, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Jesus is explicitly claiming to be God. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. <laughs> it's a much more warm and open place, and God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. Real nice to have you with me. I'm Dr. Ray Garendi. The program The Doctor is in. It's a privilege to be on this program. I can't, I can't tell you how much it's a privilege to be on this program. I was in secular media for close to 30 years, and there was always something missing. And that something missing was the chance that I, I never had much to talk about the infinitely valuable things of life. Faith, virtue, connection with God, Christian love of others. Oh, it came up tangentially here and there, but it wasn't anything that I could boldly connect with better living. They wanted me on these shows to talk about better living. And... Hopefully, there, there's a lot of truth in solid psychology and solid understanding of the human psyche can help. But there was always that big component that was left out. And being in Catholic media, both radio and TV, has allowed me to do that. And it didn't come until later in life. I had long since kind of given up the idea that I'd ever have a chance to do that. Had a lot of opportunities on the secular shows. I did hundreds of them, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Uh, but I thought, okay, well, that's about it. My uh, my media life is coming to a close. And then Catholic Radio hit, and then Catholic Television hit. And it's been a privilege ever since. Major privilege. I get a lot more out of you folks and I think you get out of me. And I'm not saying that just to be humble because I've been training for the Humility Award. Although that is a pretty humble thing to say, you know what I mean. Wouldn't be that humble, but it is true. Thanks for joining me here on The Doctor Is In. Thanks, Andrew Kruchek, for all you do over there at Ave. And thanks to all of you. And as I said, because now I'm on Catholic media, I can say, walk with God. It is your eternal walk the one that will always be.
For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.